Hello, and welcome to episode 245 of Constructed Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Chad Taylor, creator of Drips, coming to Kickstarter October 29th, 2021. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Chad, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Let's start off as we normally do, uh, quick bio and an elevator pitch for trips. All right. Uh, I reside in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, the good old Midwest. Um, I've been doing comics plus for like 12 years or so. Um, I guess 2009 was my initial uh, debut with uh, my comic, The Five Footers, which was like a team-based drama. And uh, and I kind of just went from there doing um, various uh, uh, comics of that. Then I did uh, like the Sword of Toe, which is like a manga inspired, um, like an anime inspired uh, action comic. I did that. And then now uh, during like the pandemic where everything was on lockdown, I was just, you know, working on drips. I had a, uh, I started on that uh, before lockdown even happened, but they just allowed me to hone in on it. And the comic is about uh, a couple, Mark Davis and Jennifer Darvis. Uh, Mark is a journalist and Jennifer is an archivist. And this like, it takes place in the eighties or whatever, like my favorite decade. Um, I even have like the little uh, shoulder pads on one of the characters, <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, they go on a vacation to South America and uh, like one of the final stops is like the island of Loggerhead Key, which is like off the coast of Florida or whatnot. And uh, they go there and do some, uh, they do some traveling and stuff, exploring, I would say, on their own. And uh, they find like this cave with these weird markings. And like Jennifer, she's like, you know, very inquisitive and stuff. So she wants to go look. And uh, you know, Margie's trying to be like their supportive boyfriend or whatnot. So they go in the cave, find these markings. And they stumble upon, um, they stumble upon somebody in the cave. And they leave the cave together. Uh, Alan is his name. They leave the cave together, the rendezvous uh, with the rest of their uh, uh, of the passengers of the ship. And in doing so, they found themselves uh, kind of in a path of like this uh, man-eating lizard. So I guess, yeah, that's like really the gist, the gist of it. And they just, you know, find out, you know, uh, the things uh, on the island are uh, everything that they seem. And uh, Alan is like, is in all of these scenes as well. And uh, if I get a chance to, because uh, to further do the story, um, I do want to develop some stuff about uh, the character Alan or whatnot and stuff. You kind of connect the past and the present because uh, the story takes place in the 80s, 1984, I believe. Yeah, 1983, which is the year I'm born. But um, so, and then it uh, goes to the present towards the end. You know, when uh, when everybody like the authorities and stuff find um, the ship and stuff, and like you know, one of the bodies is uh, offshore of the ship, and uh, it kind of goes from there in the present day, which starts from the present day and then goes back. So yeah, I would say that's, that's my pitch as far as the book itself. Very cool. So 
Um, I, I've seen some of the art. Um, what is what is your role in this? Are you are you handling everything? Or are you? Uh, it sounds like you're you're very heavily involved. What's what's your role in this book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, a lot of my books, um, I'm the writer and the artist. You know, I do my inking and my illustrations myself. Uh, with this being a horror comic, I really wanted to get my inking uh, the way I wanted it to be. I wanted it to strike a chord with the viewer, so I did. Uh, I used various different tools that uh, I either wasn't exactly accustomed to. And kind of had to, you know, push my pen to get the desired effect for the viewer. And, uh, you know, I use uh, a lot of um, um, quill pens and stuff, which uh, early on had trouble kind of um, um, getting that under control. I would splatter paint or ink and stuff sometimes, and that would be frustrating. But this time I was able to uh, keep that under control. I used... Uh, um, a brush pen as well, and that that had some great effects or whatnot, and uh, some traditional brush pens and stuff, or brushes I would say, as well. So uh, and my micron pens as well, but kind of like the combination of those four things and stuff is uh, want to give it like a good effect, especially when um, they have the scenes in a cave, mm -hmm. that, that really mattered to me to get that effect and uh. Even like the trees and stuff when they're like outside of the cave and stuff, I was experimenting a lot of experimentation with the inking and stuff on this. And I'm, I'm proud of the way it turned out. I really am. So I think the, uh, the viewer can tell that if you get a chance to check that out. Uh, anybody. So you'll definitely be able to tell. Uh, tell. So I really take my uh, make sure I put my best foot forward when it comes to my illustration and uh, I definitely did that with my aching this time as well. So I'm proud of that. Awesome. So, so, so Noah, um, you know, as the artist here who works traditionally, you know, so pen and inks, you know, so many times we've had somebody are, you know, as we've gone into like, you know, the 20, 2021, there's, there's so many folks that are digital. Do you have any questions for, for Chad, as far as like that, that process, because you, also are a guy who, you know, draws pen and ink on, on a board. So do you have any questions for, for Chad? Yeah. I'm just wondering, uh, what brand of brush pen do you use? Oh, I mean, it's right in my face. actually. It's uh, a pen tail. Oh, nice. Yep. That's yeah. what I use too. It's, it's a great pen, isn't it? Oh yeah. man, this thing is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, have you had amazing. it for a while or you just, uh, you just started using it? I just started using it like, you know, probably a few months before uh, the pandemic or whatever. I'm like, let me try some different things with uh, my inking and stuff. I was like, let me try this. Uh, this pen looks pretty cool. I want to try this uh, this brush pen. I want to really try it. And, yeah. Uh, do you, man, I love man. it. Did you, so did you bring ink with the brush before that? Or did you just do like, you know, pens and things? Like what, what, what did you use to ink mainly? I was do. I did a lot of micron before that, and uh, some brushes, some stuff with a brush. Some stuff yeah, with brush. that's mm -hmm. awesome. And then, like, mm -hmm. so, like, how do you? I guess for me, my always struggle with the pen tail brush is that if less, like, you know, takes a long time to learn how to control it. Like, sort of, what's been your challenge there to try to figure out how to control the lines and the thickness and the, I guess the, uh, the thin, the thinness and the thickness of the line um, while you're drawing. 
Hmm. I guess I get a feeling for what pen or type of pen or whatever is good or what situation or whatnot. Uh, like I might use um like a micron at first or whatever for like an outline of a character or something like that. Uh, but like for like a tree, I found uh, I found like a regular uh, brush gave me a nice effect, and then I would go over it with uh, the uh, the um, pen, the brush pen or whatnot. So it was just like a combination of knowing uh, as far as uh, knowing when and where to use it or whatnot. And, uh, I was experimenting too. So I was just trying to see, you know, what I was able to do or whatnot, just kind of having so much fun that I didn't, uh, sometimes you get a little stifled as to, uh, this might not work out. You know what I mean? You'd be scared to experiment. But with this, I wasn't as scared to experiment because I felt like this is one, like a new book. So I felt that uh, I just had more fun with it until it was like during lockdown or whatever. It was like, what's the worst that could happen? I could always use to get another board or something to draw on or whatnot. So I was just able to really experiment more so or whatnot because I had the extra time to do so. Mm-hmm. so yeah. All right. So I'm going to maybe go back to a little bit of like origin with comics. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you've been, I think you said 2009 might've been when you got started seriously, but like, what was your origin like um, in your childhood with comics? Have you always been a a comics fan uh, growing up? I had like a a cousin who, a cousin named Neil who collected comics and stuff. And he was very into sci-fi and all that. Uh, massive sci-fi collection. Um, yeah, like all the Star Wars, Star Trek movies, the special editions. He had the model Star Trek uh, starships, the actual models. It was like it was like going in a comic book store, going <laughs> to his house. Like, it really was. And um, he had. I remember one of the first comics uh, I read of his. Um, I think it was like the issue of Spider-Man with like Harry had. Uh, he had took on the mantle of the Green Goblin and he died in that building fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was like one of the first ones I remember reading. And uh, I know um, at my grandma's house, she had like, they had like the death of Captain Marvel was there. So I got to see the detail of like that comic and stuff. And uh, that stuff had like an effect on me. And of course, like the X-Men cartoon and things of that nature. Um, so I was like, man, I really want to try this for myself. You know, I'm a kid. I'm like, got time on my hands. I want to express myself in different ways. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do a comic. Uh, my first one was like more of like an action, a little sci-fi. Uh, and um, I did like maybe four issues of that. And I did that online paper because, you know, I was young and I didn't know exactly all the tools that uh, different artists use in comics and stuff. I just wanted to hurry up and get my ideas out there. And I was enjoying myself along the way. So I think I did like three or four of those. And then I was like, I want a group book or whatever. That's kind of like, I was going into my teenage years or whatnot. 
And uh, that's when the five footers came about because uh, I wanted to uh, focus more on like individualism and stuff like that. And um, I just wanted characters that uh, could touch everybody, you know, whether you was black, white, Hispanic, whatever, disabled. Uh, I just wanted to touch different type of people. I wanted to have that connection or whatever, whatever. And uh, I remember doing that in high school. I did like the first issue of the five years of high school. I was trying to get it done. So I had it. I'm holding on to it. Then I'm like, <clears throat> I'm going to do the laddering and stuff. Um, I did like, I guess I did it by hand a little bit or with a photo copier of Kinko's. And then uh, I entered my college years and I learned how to lettering on Illustrator, a little bit of coloring on Photoshop as well, and it helped with to push that forward. And that's when I pushed that out there in 2009. And I, I had applied for like, uh, it was like a grant from um, one of the creators of the Ninja Turtles had a grant back then that you could apply for. I didn't get it, but uh, it did inspire me to uh, kind of hone in on skills a little bit more. Um, I talked to Sophie Campbell. She actually, it's funny how that with that Ninja Turtles connection, I have another connection with that. Uh, Sophie Campbell, who uh, is an artist for Ninja Turtles now, um, I had sent her a few emails, but I know she was kind of busy, but she did respond to, to something. Um, I know she at least saw my work, but uh, I had talked to an artist in Columbus, Ohio, named Yoko Smith. Uh and he, uh, I went told him flat out I wanted to critique of my work. I wanted him to be honest with me about the things I need to improve on. Uh, Chad, I you actual? I had, like think somebody tried to call in between. I wanted the actual uh, answer or whatever. I wanted the actual, the real. The real, you know, I want them to really let me know what I need to improve on and uh, anatomy and things like that. He told me to focus on anatomy, perspective, my facial expression. I needed to do all those things. And uh, those are things that I started uh, working towards improving on. I think that's around when I did a uh, five footage issue three that I could really tell that I was getting better at my craft or whatnot. And I was happy about that. So yeah, I think that those are like the main things that uh kind of were like a driving force to me um, getting better. Very cool. So it seems to me like you have a bit of uh, like you you started off a bit self-taught, and then you you know you 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 got some skills when you you said you went away to college and you um, you know you started to learn some like Photoshop skills. So it was like self-taught early on, and then you went away and got some more formal training. Um, is, is mm -hmm. that how your, your background with art goes? I would say so. Yeah. Cool. And, um, so I have a question. I want to go back to, to this book drips. Um, when you were describing this is, is like Indiana Jones, like a, uh, like an influence on this book? No, no. What's, what's the influence of this book then? Um, Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe in the back of my mind, swear, but I would say no because I'm not. I wasn't really 
thinking of that. I was thinking of the 80s, though. Uh, like, the aesthetic of it all and stuff. And, um, and kind of like the feel of maybe how it was in some productions back then. But I wasn't really thinking of, like, any Indiana Jones, per se, or whatnot. Uh, let me see. As far as the lizard, I'm trying to really think that. Well, would it be would it be safe to say that uh, like what, tur- uh, turtle stuff is uh, is turtles um, like a thing? I could say I just went off the hip with this. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to do a horror comic. Uh, I wanted something um, that people wouldn't expect from a psychological uh, experience because uh, you know you thinking like oh you know these people are about to get chased by a monster, but it's uh like psychological thing tricks that I'm playing in there, you know, with the uh, story and stuff like that. Um, Cause of my growth as a writer mm-hmm. it allowed me to do that or whatever. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Right. I what was attractive to you about doing a horror book? Like, uh, you know, what I guess you, you said that like earlier, I, I latched onto something where you said that you wanted you sort of have like a bit of a, I guess, a social conscious, I guess, with your work, you know, you want to sort of be mindful of people and things like that in your work. So I guess I'd be interested to hear about sort of that and horror and how, where those two meet up for you in this book. Yeah. Um, that's always kind of been uh, a driving force for me, uh, me being, like everybody go through things as a teenager or whatever, you kind of being want to be understood and stuff like that. I think that was like a driving force for me as a creative and whatnot. Because uh, I'm like, you know, you see different social groups and all that stuff in school and all that. And, uh, I just wanted to write something like where I originally did like my earlier stuff with the group book, the five footers uh. I just want to write something where everybody felt like they had a piece of that book to them that they can cherish. Like, oh, I see myself in this character or that or this situation or this or that. So um, it was a way of uh, like a love letter to everybody who might have feel a little bit of an outcast in themselves or whatnot. Uh, different other social things as well I wanted to uh yeah um a little bit of classism and stuff like I talk about like the pharmaceuticals and stuff industry and stuff in the five footers and stuff uh as far as like medicine and stuff like that uh because it deals like with a drug that uh that the people were trying to develop that people got powers from and stuff so um I just felt like I could touch the present generation and touch like the older generation in some respects as well. Um, was sort of towards kind of like environmentalism in there. Uh, Cause I liked, um, what was that eighties TV show? Oh, Quantum Leap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some influences from Quantum Leap and sort of Torah, you know, the whole portal jobbing and stuff like that. Uh, you know, um, it's like a different planet, uh, Dorian, which is kind of like a counter Earth, but on their version of Earth, uh, which is called Dorian, um, uh, the environment is pretty bad, and uh, like the human beings had to merge with uh, these symbiotic creatures to survive or whatnot. 
So it was more like a survival thing in that respect. Uh, and when drips, um, I guess you can say a little bit of a, a little bit of like colonialism in a sense or whatnot. Cause people were like on a vacation visiting like this island or whatever. And uh, even um, in, in some of the inspiration from this, uh, it's, uh, it was something happened uh, on an island a few years back where this guy named John Allen, which is where uh, the character Allen gets a little bit of his influence from. Uh, like he goes to the island and he's talking about, uh, he's trying to spread Christianity and stuff like that. And I guess um, the people on the island, you know, they don't allow any uh, trespassers or whatever. And the guy had died or whatever in doing so or whatnot. And, uh, you know, um, like some people you might say, okay, he's um, spreading Christianity, cool. But in their cultures, like you're invading our island, which is sacred to us. And 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 I that took like a little bit of a core with me in uh, wanting to write this book. I'm like, okay, you trespassing on this island. Would it be considered um, in some cultures or whatnot? Um, and uh, the monster could be considered like from a symbiotic viewpoint from a metaphorical viewpoint as a protector of the island or whatnot, in a sense, like a protector or whatnot. And um, yeah, and those visiting the island, you know, um, you would come contact because the reason, whole reason for seeing the monster is um, it's a plant on the island that gives people hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic effects too or whatnot. You see the monster or whatnot. But in seeing the monster, you might see things in people as well. Like, uh, like it's a panel in which Jennifer sees Mark. Like she doesn't, she she seems more assertive than him. And I think deep down that she wants him to be more of a more of a stand-up guy, I would say. I don't know if that's the right term I want to use, or more forward the guy or whatever so she sees him with like a, a firearm protecting them from the monster so it's like okay I want to see Mark as this protector or whatever so she's envisioning him with a firearm or whatever but that's when she realizes that something is right here he didn't get on this cruise ship with a firearm for one now, he doesn't have a firearm and that's when she's starting to piece together the clues of them going through uh, or feeling like the effects of a hallucination. So that's one of the little psychological points on a, as far as a, being a writer that I had fun with. I was like, okay, so, you know, it's not just the simple fact of you hallucinating, but you might be hallucinating certain attributes that you may see in yourself or certain things that you see in others or, you know, want to see in others. So I got to play around as a writer as well. Very cool. So I want to ask you like a process question here. Um, as somebody who is, is writing and drawing, 
Um, are you writing like a, like a full script or are you sort of, you know, giving yourself a general outline and then, and then sketching it out on paper and like then discovering, you know, I want to accomplish this on this page. It's going to be roughly five, to six panels. Like what's, what's your process when you're writing and what's your process when you're, when you're doing the art? Yeah. Um, I do outline or whatnot. Uh, I do some, um, some sketching or whatever. Uh, I kind of get a flow of where I want the page to go. Or maybe how the panels might look fitting on the page how I want them. But, uh, but the story is written, the dialogue will be written according to what the page is saying. You know, I don't know if other artists who are writers feel that way about that, but um, it works best for me as far as the flow of the page. Uh, you know, the um, after the drawing is taking place or whatnot, helps me get a feel of the dialogue or whatever or the mannerism of the character, you know what I mean? In the in a particular panel, my call for the dialogue to be a certain way or whatever to f- make the story flow. Cause um, like, cause the whole language is like, is this is a great metaphor. And, and, and this is like advice I would give to writers and stuff like that, uh, writing in, in language anyway, like language is like a rhythm, it's, it's music. Mm-hmm. And so in music, like, okay, in music, or, or say, say you're married or whatever, whatever. If you, if you meet somebody, you get to know them, you're, you're conversing, you're conversating with each other. It's the, the whole thing when you say attraction, that's, that's a lot of that is rhythm. And people don't really even know that, like, because like a conversation has to flow a certain way. That's a rhythm. That's music. Like. So if the rhythm is off, then it's like, you're like, uh, the date didn't go as I ex- thought it would. Or I, But that same rhythm can be applied in my writing and stuff in general or whatever so like in in creating the comic like the dialogue it has to be like a rhythm in the right it's a dance like i don't know what the beat is in my head at the time but it's a beat there like it's going like in the dialogue that each can be somewhere like you know it needs to be there and that and that allows for a more i could play with the beat because the beat i could pause the beat and allow some some space and that space can be a comedic effect mm-hmm. because you could tell if the rhythm is off and if that rhythm is off the book is going to seem not as good you know what i mean i think the reader can tell that like like the rhythm the beat me as a writer that's that's how i dissect dialogue or whatnot um and i think josh wheaton when he wrote buffy and that's why i always 
I like Buffy so much because I could tell the rhythm and the beat of the characters, like the Scooby gang or whatever. I could tell the beat and rhythm within the characters. You know what I mean? Like with any writer has good dialogue. It has to be a rhythm or a beat between the, the cast of characters or whatever, or the book just simply won't work or whatever. And that's with anything, movies, television, books, you know if every writer knows that, but it's true. If that beat or rhythm is off, then it won't work. You know what I mean? And I know that. Nobody ever talked to me about this. I can just tell just as a creative person that came to that that we all go by, you know, a rhythm of life. I think you could find a good friend or something. You could tell each other's rhythm. And like, some people could finish each other's sentences. That's because mm-hmm. you know each other's rhythm. You know their beat. And that allows for friendship and relationships to grow. But if there's no rhythm, then you're, you won't have those relationships. will dictate that. And that goes for writing as well. Yeah, you brought up a lot of uh, great points there. And, uh, you know, sort of like when a character is speaking, um, they can't all speak the same. You know, they'll, they'll have a different... Yeah different cadence to their voice or you know Mm -hmm. they they might one of the characters might um express themselves more and one of them might just sort of have like short like blurbs back and forth so what you're saying there is 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 you know a really key insight into into storytelling um yes so is this your i think you said earlier with the other books um have you gone to kickstarter before with with the other books that you've done one book I tried to, the last one I tried to do like an anthology. I wish I had spent more time on everything and got a theme together for that. Uh, like I wanted, I, I should have just took more time on that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just have so much energy that I'll just be like, okay, like creating my creative juices to get going. I'll just start creating or whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, I wish I would have took more time on that. Um, I found some great artists, though. I just wish I would have took more time to find like a, a concrete theme and everything and get that how I wanted it to go. Um, and with uh, like a five footers issue three to sent the Kickstarter, uh, I was just still um, hmm, finding uh, different outlets and stuff to promote it and uh, just finding, uh, just still building my brand as an artist and writer and stuff, still building my brand and learning different ways of uh, marketing and stuff like that. So, you know, everything kind of builds on itself and uh, leads me more to this, which I have more time to, um, you know, market and uh, it's a smaller campaign too. It's not like, I'm trying to raise like, you know, thousands of dollars. I just wanted the 400 or whatever for my printing costs and get some people some cool merch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept it short and sweet, you know, so I think this is like, and I said I would never do another one too. I was like, eh, I don't know if I have the energy to do another one. But like, okay, I'm keeping this one short and sweet. So I'm like, okay, this seems more enjoyable. And it's more of a... Um, um, I felt like me putting the book out uh, already a few months back that allowed people to really see the book. Mm-hmm. 
and get a feel for it uh, before I go into King Starter. So I think that's working in my uh, favor as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had a better head start with this, a better feel. Um, the book has been received well. So it's kind of like people got a sense of it and everything before I'm going to Kickstarter and uh, I did a bunch of the promote stuff before I even launched. Like I still haven't even launched that and I've done like, you know, I guess this is like my third, um, technically fourth, but third Kickstarter interview, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a bunch of stuff beforehand and uh, I knew every, you know, as far as promoting it and everything, I knew the lanes I wanted to take and things like that. So uh, I think I just did much more stuff ahead of time to make it not so stressful or whatever. So. Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that's very important is as creatives and then creatives who have to also do promotion, there's sort of the the experiment angle. Um, so you, you've, you've, you've gone to Kickstarter a few other times. Hello. Yeah. So you've gone to Kickstarter a few other times and... Um, mm-hmm. You, uh, you you did a few things to to experiment, and it sounds like uh, you're in a better place right now. Um, so you're going to go to Kickstarter in a couple of days. Um, yeah. Let's uh, as we close up here, um, let's uh, let's do a uh, like a final. You know what? Pitch. Uh, you know what else is an experience that I had? I had two experiences that I never had before as a uh, person who uh, you know publishes his own stuff. One like. When I uh, debuted Drips, um, which was in February or whatnot, and I put it on Amazon, uh, I think 48 hours after I released it, it had went number one on the 15-minute reads. Oh, wow. So that was, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first time I ever experienced that. So I was like, okay. Because normally I was just releasing. I'm not looking at any chart data or anything like that. I'm not looking at it in that way. I'm like, I feel like I worked hard at it. I just release it to the world or whatever. And then whatever, whatever, I might look at it another time. But this is like the only time I had looked at it really. Um, so like, I think like, okay, I put it out. Like this first 24 hours, I'm like, oh, I'm number 10 on 15 minute reads on Amazon. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And then, um, like the next day, like like four forty eight hours after a release, uh, they said I went. I looked in there when I was number one, and I was like, "This is like I'm in a twilight zone right <laughs> now. I never experienced that. Just uh, that just goes to show, you know, as an independent, because I always used to stress myself. I felt like, oh, I have to be with, I have to be with this publisher, or that publisher, to feel. Like I'm like accepted amongst the, the the publishing industry or whatever, whatever, uh, you know, things that we creative types that goes through our mind or whatever to make us feel validated. But I think about all the work that I put in just to get to this point, man, like and I did it just with uh, sheer wheel determination, put my own money up, you know. Uh, uh, this is support of the people um, who support me. Uh, you know, I got my stuff in like, like in 13 stores right now. I did that work on my own. Like nobody spoke for me. Nobody gave me any, you know, I was no intermediary uh, making a suggestion to a store or 
whatever like that. I made those phone calls and I talk and build those relationships with those stores, you know? So, uh, that's just a testament to, uh, people supporting, um, like, working, like independent, uh, platforms like Gumroad and other plethers are doing so much good work with uh, independent creatives and stuff like that. And uh, man, I'm just glad to be a part of it, you know? Cool. So, um, you know, we're, we're roughly a few days before this, this book is gonna go to Kickstarter. Uh, I wanna give you one more opportunity to sort of give us, uh, tell us where people can follow you uh, online and uh, just, you know, this, the, the a really quick elevator pitch for, for drips. Um, so people can, you know, get their excitement up, uh, as, as we go to Kickstarter. Right. Yeah. Drips is a psychological horror experience. I would say, uh, full of twists and turns that you wouldn't expect in a book. Um, some stuff grounded in history, you know, for, uh, for my historical fiction buffs and, uh, it's just an awesome ride of, uh, of, of a group of passengers trying to um, survive and experience um, on the island of uh, Loggerhead Key before it hits uh, the mainland in the United States or whatnot. And uh, you're going to love the work put into it, the inking, the, uh, the coloring. Um, shout out to Lala Narita. I know she does. Um, a lot of work for some different publishers. Uh, great with the colors. To be a black and white co comic, she really put her foot in the door, and uh, I wanted to collaborate her. I, I reached out to her. Her rates, or like she has like some real industry. Her rates are like industry rates. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, she, 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 we were able to compromise and um, collaborate. She didn't have to do that, you know. Like a great colorist. Um, you will see that in the book, every page. She's not playing. And uh, I put my foot in it as a writer and an inker. These are, these are my best, this my best inking work I've ever done. Um, so yeah, you will see it. I want you to see and, and you'll see for yourself. I don't even have to tell you. Cool. And and so as far as like online, um, where, where are socials where people can follow you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you got the uh, Chad Five on uh, Twitter, um, on Instagram, Unify Comics, U N I number five, then I Comics, um, Unify Comics on tw Twitter as well. Uh, Chad Five dot Blogspot dot com for my Blogspot buffs or whatnot. And then you got my Substack, which is Chad Taylor, just my regular name, Chad Taylor. Mm -hmm. uh, Substack.com. And uh, I put some of my comic stuff on there, some of my fictional works as well, because I am a writer as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I'm going to put uh, those social media links in the show notes. Yeah. And most importantly, I'm going to put a link to the to the Kickstarter and the show notes. So for anybody listening, I just want to make it as easy as possible for them to, you know, open up their their podcast uh, 
server, scroll down in the show notes, hit that link to the to the Kickstarter and go right there so they can check it out. Um, you know, we're like we're I think right now we're about three days away from from launch. But, uh, you know, it's it's going live very soon. So, Chad, it was awesome uh, checking in with you. Um, Likewise. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking to you. The The book looks awesome. I've seen some previews that pages that you've shared with me. Um, really cool stuff, man. So uh, thanks for thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. No problem. So um, like I said, we're going to have links to uh, all of Chad's stuff in the show notes, uh, Kickstarter link in the show notes. Um, an additional Kickstarter link will be in the show notes. That's going to be for future tales of sci-fi. Um, that's going to be a, uh, going live on November 1st of 2021. Um, Noah and myself have a story, uh, in that. So we're pretty excited. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter. That's at construct Compod. Instagram is constructed comics pod and Facebook is constructing comics. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be nice, uh, be safe and go out there and make some comics. Thanks.